You're now tuned into Unpunctuated with Precious, where we have lifestyle conversations and guidance based on my own experiences and those shared by others. Thanks for rocking with me again today. We are on episode three. Oh my God, I can't believe it. I want to say a huge thank you to everyone that's been listening, streaming, who's followed, posted, shared, reviewed, connected with me to share feedback, reached out, sent me lovely gifts on um, WhatsApp. <laughs> I see you all and thank you so much for your support. You make the fear, the prep, the planning, the self-doubt, the editing, all worthwhile. So as you can see, I launched the first three episodes pretty consecutively. The first episode wasn't really an episode, it was more of a teaser, but they were consecutive. However, I'll continue with a bi-weekly cadence from now on, sharing a new episode every other Sunday. And you'll also be getting bonus episodes that I've been cooking up with one of my pals. So please stay tuned for that. So I'd originally planned to theme this episode, make happiness a choice, right? And I'll tell you a little bit more about what happened with that. But the reason why I themed it, make happiness a choice, because that's real. And I'll say this, black people in most spaces are always told or treated like we are too something, too aggressive, too loud, too intimidating, too sensitive. But guess what? We're never too happy, too joyful, too satisfied, Black happiness and joy need amplification on a large scale. And I'm so happy that there are so many spaces developing and already in existence that are prioritizing and discussing black mental health, black joy, black excellence, and black regularity. I say black regularity because we focus so much on excellence. And let's also celebrate black folk living life, you know, openly and authentically on whatever positive scale they can. You know, it's not everyday hustle and grind. You know, some days it's, I made a souffle and it didn't flop. My twist out came out great instead of like Samuel L. Jackson and Mr. Glass. I managed to check off everything on my personal or domestic to-do list. Everyday wins count too. And it's so important to remember that because I sometimes feel like the threshold for black happiness is always paired with strife, adversity, overcoming, you know, I feel like the soundtrack for blackness is, you know, some Negro spiritual in the background. And that's just not the reality all all the time. You know, black joy is this communal wonder. Joy and black people globally are inextricably linked. Even as we navigate our existence in spaces where our joy is just not welcome. Our joy is electric and we must continue to intentionally prioritize it and maintain it. You know, I know the colonization and whitewashing of our stories and cultures primarily focus on amplifying our trauma and grief, you know, and this is the main reason I'm so passionate about elevating, discussing, you know, content, stories and art that express black joy. So full disclosure, I recorded a whole episode and it just went to hell. 
the sound, the editing. I wasn't connecting with what I was saying. I went to bed feeling so deflated and demoralized. You know when a piece of work just doesn't land for you or sit well with your spirit? That was me last night. It was a shit show. I'm not sure if it's because of the current state of the world or I just didn't want to sound preachy on the topic of happiness. Whatever it was, that episode isn't going to see the light of day. I'm sorry. It just, it just, it was a no for me. And in all honesty, I'm a true believer that everything happens for a reason and what's for you won't miss you. So I won't cry too much over that spilt milk. So I'll share the wrap up message because that felt more important than the other ramblings in the episode that was trashed. (laughs) And it was essentially me saying that life is interesting with plenty of twists and turns. You'll be able to maintain lasting happiness in your life if you learn to handle and navigate life's inevitable challenges and any painful feelings and emotions that are results of these difficulties. There are so many elements, components to lasting happiness, I can't even list them all, but including exercising gratitude, accepting and loving who we are, living a life of variety and challenge without burnout or stress, um, our loved ones, being of service to others, and so, so many more. But we can have all of this and external factors in life can still come and shit all over it. So pain, loss and discomfort are near certain in all of our lives. But when we get better at dealing with whatever life throws at us, there is nothing really left to fear. And a fearless life is a happy life. I recently said one thing I, well, what did I say? I recently said the only thing I want to fear is fear itself. And I'm working on making this my reality. I have a very debilitating fear of rodents and anything in or similar to that family of creatures. So I have some way to go, but without fear, you know, we can take a chill pill. We can relax more, enjoy life, see moments for what they are, take more risks, pursue success, dwell and you know worry a lot less and basically we're just happier without fear we are always grinding trying to secure the bag reach this or that goal hustling 24 7 and don't get me wrong working towards short or long-term goals are great and achieving them can can and will spark momentary joy and happiness but if you really want that well-established happiness in your life remember that your ability to confidently navigate painful emotions and negative feelings you know rejection disappointment failure disloyalty is really your north star and that's kind of where i landed with that episode that took me a couple of minutes and i trashed a whole 40 minute episode (laughs) alex hale because I got that off my chest, I confess to you guys. Now that I got that out of the way, let's get to today's episode, which is drum roll, please. Get rid of that list. I always like to start off with a quote, and today's quote is one from Confucius, which reads, us humans for filth, (laughs) and states, life is really simple, but we insist on making it complicated. Honestly, this quote, I feel dragged attacked by this quote, but we move, we move. And this is for men and women alike. When it comes to relationships, you are not shopping, you are investing. That is the mantra. (laughs) 
ladies, you know what list I'm talking about, that unexamined mental list of things he must and must not have. The unrealistic ideals you have created in your mind, which strikes out even the most eligible men before they've even gotten up to bat. The unexamined list can be problematic. And honestly, let me just get this out there. Often this list is confused with standards. Standards are necessary in all aspects of life, especially in relation to matters of the heart, because without them, you run the risk of selling yourself short and you can end up miserable and doubtful of your worth. Without standards and understanding your values, you settle. So if you have a reasonable list of standards, I'm not coming for you, I promise, with this one. The list I'm referring to often looks like this. Let me get some statements out there to kind of give you a sense of what the list is like. He must be at least X feet, X inches. He must make X amount of money or he must make X per year. He must drive a nice car or he must drive X car. He must follow X faith or religion. He must own his own house. He must have a beard. <laughs> he must dress like blah. You know, the list goes on. You may have intently been listening to some of the things that I mentioned and thought, hell yeah, he needs that. He needs a beard. <laughs> I mean, some of what I mentioned are non-negotiable for women, especially like, you know, the faith he follows, religion, which is fair enough. This is no this is a no judgment zone. I do, however, feel that. I should mention that having such a specific list can be counterproductive. Some of the stipulations on your list often may not exist in one single human being and it may not be packaged in that combo or in a way that you'd recognize off the bat. But also, is it a specific amount of money he should be making, for example, or is it better that he is financially self-sufficient by legal means, is sensible with his finances, is generous and not a financial liability, you know, a man that can take care of himself, but also pulls his weight in a partnership. You know, he can make six figures a year and be stingy and not be very generous and not pull his weight. I'm just saying, because in life and love, perception is everything. And I truly believe that we must have the correct currency for what it is that we demand give you a little bit of an analogy here. So for example, you walk into Chanel and want to buy one of their classic flat bags. You know, the iconic padded exterior bags with the chain handle, yeah, that one. It can retail from around the 3K mark and up. Let's say you only have 25% of the retail price. Do you expect to leave the store with that bag? No, at least not without being a thief, right? So. At your average Chanel store, you cannot haggle or barter. It's not eBay, there are no best offers. <laughs> Therefore, let us look at the same analogy in terms of prospective mates. You cannot only be offering 25% of value for 100% of what you want from a prospective partner and expect to get it. As much as you desire the things that are on your laundry list, any person willing to accept 25% would be selling themselves short. It's not fair and it'd be unreasonable to think that it was, right? I'm not saying that you must be equipped with a like-for-like -like exchange, but, and, also, and of course that, that just isn't real. You know, if that was real life, we would be dating our male clones. That would be boring. What I'm saying is it's nice to have preferences. Just don't mistake them for standards. As you're probably aware, the powers that be have a sense of humor. And if your ideal is 6'4", 
Kofi Sirobo lookalike with a career in investment banking, there is a possibility that your Mr. Right could be just shy of 5'10 and in a kind of blue collar job. I hate the term blue collar, it's horrible, but that's the example with excellent credit and amazing values. And then what? You're going to throw the whole man away? I'm just saying, just, just putting that out there. This is, this is an accountability judgment-free zone. And I'm aware that there are plenty of intelligent and successful men in the public eye who have shacked up with seemingly less intelligent, less educated women who of course look amazing by, you know, by mainstream standards. And the trade-off may not seem proportionate to most people, but those men are willing to trade off all that they have to offer for whatever that woman has to offer. But there is usually a price to pay or the unspoken caveat of he's like, you know, he's unlikely to be faithful. But this, I'm just making assumptions, but some may believe that being a successful, intelligent man entitles them to serious arm candy and nothing more, nothing less. These men normally don't require much from these women. They know what they're getting themselves into from the start and that's on them and their lawyers and their accountants when the assets need to be split. L-O-L. <laughs> Jokes aside, in the real world, for things to truly work, your partner needs to be on your level spiritually, mentally, emotionally, or at least be open to working on getting there. And a lot of the rest can be negotiated. You know, what would be the point of having a man who looks like your ideal with a Benz and a huge house if your values are at odds with one another? You would love a fancy lifestyle, but there would always be an unavoidable imbalance. And you might be thinking, okay, so, so what do we do then? What do we do? What, what, what do you suggest, precious? What do you suggest? <laughs> I suggest identify ideal characteristics. You all know I like a good activity and this one is essential to me. Um, I remember doing this with a friend of mine back in 2012 and it really opened my eyes. Didn't open my eyes enough not to spend another six years in a relationship that didn't serve me or my well-being, but it impacted me nonetheless. This activity will help you create a new list and you should always keep it with you, even if it's just a mental note. It may change as you change, but it's foundationally essential. So stay with me. So take a minute to write down or think about 20 characteristics you would want in an ideal mate, which don't involve any physical attributes or material aspects. So not what he owns, not what he looks like. And to give you a sense of what I'm referring to, I'll share mine. Full disclosure, I will share mine. Um, and in no particular order of importance, mine are, he has to be honest, caring, considerate, able to compromise, operates with integrity, positive, ambitious, loving, non-judgmental, affectionate, intuitive, respectful, spiritual, empathetic, realistic, optimistic, to be fair, optimistic feels like positive, but I've got them both on there anyway. Resilient, emotionally available, accepting, and confident. Ooh, that's my list, that's my list, that's my list. Um, it's always a bit, you always feel a bit vulnerable sharing the things that you desire, but 
that's my list for you guys to kind of feed off and get a sense of what I'm talking about when I say key characteristics. And as you can see, none of the key characteristics I've mentioned involve what a man looks like or has. So I say, take a long, hard look at your list and think back to your past relationships. How many of the men you allowed into your lives or your bed, for that matter, had most of the characteristics on your list? I can probably bet not many, or maybe you weren't thinking on that level, so you weren't even able to discern when they did or didn't have any of those characteristics, you know? I've dated men who didn't even have three of the characteristics on this list. Gosh, heck, maybe not even any <laughs> in certain instances. But how could I have been surprised that the relationships didn't last? But hey, they were the right height, had a job, had a car, some owned their own houses, looked amazing. But in the cold light of day, it's not enough if I value all that I've mentioned in terms of characteristics in a person. So let's go further. This one's about us, right? So look at the list again. So your key characteristics list. How many of the 20 characteristics you've listed do you honestly possess? Look, only you know what these are. So be truthful to yourself. If you don't possess most of the characteristics on your list, you have work to do. Work, you know, Working on gaining some of these characteristics is the only way to be any closer to being worthy of that ideal mate. Like I said, I'm not asking your characteristics to be identical. But again, these are basic human characteristics that are desirable. So why wouldn't we want some of these? But I think about what sort of woman, you know, think about what sort of woman your ideal would be well matched with. And if he possessed the amazing characteristics you outlined, who would she be? Um, as I'm thinking this through... I can say that I possess around 19 out of 20 of my ideal characteristics to varying degrees. That's honesty. And I'm currently actively working specifically on one. I won't disclose that because some things, is, some things should be left for you, you know. <laughs> Please don't assume I am inferring that it's a you know, it's bad to have specific preferences. I'm not saying that, I promise. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have standards, that you should settle for less. That's not what I'm saying. But if you've been wanting the same things and going about getting what you want in the same way, repeatedly with no success, it would be right to assume that you need a new way of doing and seeing things. You need a new perspective and a new approach. This is simply me saying, let's look at this in a different way right? Knowing what characteristics you desire means you are one step closer to not dating the same guy over and over again. And I don't mean literally the same guy, I mean the same type of guy. Doing this normally means you end up with the same outcomes. So refining what it is that you're looking for, even if you don't even get to the point of like knowing exactly what it is that you're looking for, weed out what you don't. That's kind of a great place to start as well if you're struggling. But it's important to examine all of it. And something that comes to mind for me is perfection is an illusion, worthiness is attainable. And you may have been listening to everything I'm saying and, 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 and you will not budge on your list, you won't move, you believe that your list is perfect and that he is out there, Mr. Perfect is out there. But I want to say, Mr. Right for you is out there. Perfection is a moving target. No one, and I repeat, no one on this wonderful planet is perfect. And that's okay, we're all unique. 
think it's only society and often the need for acceptance that compels unique individuals to imitate and assimilate. Lack of originality is so commonplace now that people deem those who appear overtly unique and creative worthy of worship. You know, we idealize people because they appear different or at least that's the way they present their lives. Many of us create these unrealistic ideas of perfection, the perfect job, the perfect man, the perfect life. And we may not use the term perfect, but consequently we set ourselves up for failure. You know, a lasting relationship isn't forged between two perfect people. It's forged between two people who accept one another as they are, but are committed to enhancing themselves and adding value to each other's lives. The perfect ideal fails at inception because they no longer become goals. And I'm not saying not the hashtag goals, which is a superficial statement of, I want what that looks like. That's what saying, you know, hashtag relationship goals, body goals simply is, you covet what something appears to be like, not what it actually is. I'm talking about real goals based on information and the, the goals that match our true desires. Goals require introspection, planning. They have to be specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. They have to be smart. When your ideals become goals, they start to materialize, or you at least modify them and your mindset to achieve them. There are plenty of wonderful men out there who have a lot to offer a wonderful woman like yourself. The problem is some of us are conditioned in such a way we can't identify these men. Our perception is so artificial and skewed. Some of us wind up chasing our own tails and wallowing in frustration and using the terms like there's no good man, there's no this, there's no that. And in some areas and geographical locations, people, some people are trash <laughs> and some aren't. It isn't this finite absolute. I've had so many men say they're tired of women saying that they want a good black man and when one comes along and that there's another reason that magically appears to support why she will not give him a chance. Look, okay, I know chemistry is important. It's massively important to me, but it's also possible to have chemistry with the wrong person too. Like I have previously let chemistry drive me into relationships that should have remained platonic simply because we all crave connection. And when you meet someone of the opposite sex, if that's your orientation, that you have a connection with, sometimes as women, we believe that means something and it needs to build on something more sometimes. And you know, love isn't instantaneous for everyone. For some, love at first sight exists and has led to lasting relationships. But for the vast majority of people, love grows uniquely and lasting relationships are not created overnight. They're developed over time, tried, tested, and they evolve. No relationship ever stays the same. If it does, there's no growth or development and they remain stagnant. Physical ideals tend to set us up to miss certain opportunities sometimes. They're distracting, they can distract us. And I've been distracted. And I've seen many black men and women miss out on amazing connections because they've allowed physical attributes or colorism and Eurocentric standards of beauty skew their view of beauty within their own communities. He's too dark. Oh, I'm into big girls. Oh, I'm not into big girls. I'm into skinny girls. He has His nose is too big. Her hair is too nappy. I don't like girls who wear makeup or weave. The statements go on. But 
utilizing your understanding of the key ideal characteristics you desire sets you on a path to waste less time entertaining men who don't possess or have the desire to gain any of your ideal characteristics. It also provides you with a laser sharp focus when you stumble across someone who may not be your usual quote unquote type, but is ticking all the right boxes as it relates to the ideal characteristics you value. And look, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I work on it every day. It's hard. And I have very high standards for myself. And this tends to bleed into my relationships with other people. The way I see it is if I'm continually striving to be the best I can be, my partner should be doing the same, right? One thing that I'm slowly remembering as I mature is one thing that sits with me is that my partner is a whole person with their own strengths, their own weaknesses, their own desires, their own focuses, who also wants to be accepted and loved for who they are, just as I do. So if you find yourself expecting the impossible from someone you're interested in or you've recently started seeing someone or have been in a relationship for ages, you may want to check yourself and realign when you're thinking about your expectations and the standards that you believe you hold. So for my insecure fans out there, remember in first, in that, yeah, it was the first season um, of Insecure when Issa was ready for a change in her life. She was in a season of change, she didn't realize it, but it was a time where she was dissatisfied with her job and her overall existence. But instead of being introspective and examining what she needed to do personally, she put the nearest target under a microscope, which was her relationship and specifically Lawrence himself. So they had their own issues with communication and not opening up to one another, which was disastrous. And we all know that, but At the beginning of the series, Issa decided he was the disappointing one based on expectations and he could never win in that case. When she cheats with Daniel, it's not because Daniel has his life together in particular. I mean, he's not like doing badly, but it's not like he has his life completely together, ticks all the boxes of her ideal key characteristics. She had just poo-pooed her perspective of her relationship, what she wanted and her partner. And it just felt justified until it didn't. And we know that it didn't feel good almost immediately after. So I want you to think about which of your ideal characteristics you want to develop within yourself, if you don't already possess them, that is. Think about when this incredible man who matches that list appears, what do you have to offer and why will he be unable to resist you? That's a great place to start. And being able to realistically advocate for yourself on why you're a catch, even if it's just to yourself, right, is important for your sense of self-worth and confidence. Because if you can't advocate for yourself right now, then there's some work to do, but it's not insurmountable. So I don't want to end this episode without touching on the friend zone. So someone left me a really lovely voice note on Anchor and I couldn't get hold of them to ask their permission to share what they shared with me. So I'm just going to ramble and make sure that I cover the themes that they mentioned in their 
voice note. So let's talk about the friend zone. Most women have or have had a friend zone. Um, let's all be honest, we know it exists. We also know the usual reasons a man will be relegated to this, to this zone. <laughs> I can't even catch my words. It can often be serious issues or superficial ones, but the zone exists and men know it. And sometimes they don't know if they're in it, but they know it exists. Um, I know that I've banished people to this zone in my day. Some adjusted and just got on with it and some were never to be seen again. Before I go any further, let me shed some light on a frequently used but often illegitimate excuse for friend zoning, right? People saying, I don't want to jeopardize the friendship. This, I'm sorry to say, is bull because some claim they don't want to jeopardize a friendship, which is why they relegate someone to the friend zone, yet the same people are willing to jeopardize marriages and break up homes for less than a friendship. They'll do it for situationships and entanglements. And wait, hold on. Aren't the best relationships based on friendship? In my experience, most relationships are doomed if there isn't a foundation of friendship. Um, so it was actually a guy that sent me a voice note was talking about the friend zone. I think he may be in the friend zone or he might be trying to understand what that looks like. But I did want to kind of talk through us examining our friend zone. So I want you all for this fella who sent me a voice note to take a long hard look at the inhabitants of your friend zone right it normally consists of people who were possibly romantically interested in you and were perfectly nice guys otherwise why would you friend them in the first place but you were only interested in them platonically let's call a spade a spade most guys in your friend zone are the ones you're not sufficiently attracted to but they have the desirable qualities of a friend or more shallowly or someone that, you know, that give you, you know, a little bit of an ego boost when you need it at times. You know, we're in an honest space. There is nothing wrong with not liking the nice guy. I think it'd be absolutely sexist and misogynistic to imply that women should go with any good guy that comes their way. But some guys are in the zone for all the wrong reasons. I know I have friend zone guys because someone else at the time was making my heart beat that little bit faster. That sense of excitement often drives us and can be a little destructive. I follow excitement sometimes. Well, in my ill-informed days, I followed the excitement, I followed the passion. Um, and I didn't realize that you can, that, you know, passion and compatibility and stability are not mutually exclusive, but I did at the time. And I friend zone guys for being a little too eager or thirsty and then settled for like someone who was the complete opposite of that. Someone who was unavailable, the un, the emotionally unavailable swoon fest. And that left me with egg on my face. I know that was super random, but I hope I debunked some of the things you thought about the friend zone mystery man on anchor who left me a message. <laughs> but I'll leave you all with this. You are worthy of a positive relationship and identifying those key characteristics you want your partner to possess and the ones you'd like to refine within yourself will support you on that journey. Remember, you can connect with me on Instagram at Unpunctuated Podcast. Send me a voice message on Anchor. The link's in my IG bio or send me an email at unpunctuatedpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you, hear your feedback, get your questions. And until next time, remember... We called off the search and started looking within. And the only way is up. Thanks for listening. <laughs>